Welcome to the Practice X Factor, the place to be for mastering membership plans for your business. Here, you'll learn exactly how to grow your patient relationships and accelerate your profits without getting stuck on the dental insurance bandwagon. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Practice X Factor. And uh, I'm honored here to have a uh, dental practice rock star here with us today, a uh, longtime friend. Um, We've known each other since dental school, even though, uh, you know, with, with some of our similar background, it feels like longer, but we have uh, Dr. Rudy Wolf here. So, Rudy, thanks for coming on to the podcast today. My pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about you, how you got into dentistry, um, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what you like to do personally, professionally, those kind of things, what uh, you practice and how you got to where you are. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet, you know, like for me, I think it's, uh, it's not this big, long story. I basically served a mission in Mozambique, Africa, uh, where I was thinking about going into medicine of some sort, but man, people missing so many teeth when they smiled, you know, and I just thought what a big difference that could make. And then combined with, uh, with the lifestyle of the dentist in terms of making your own schedule, owning your own practice, I decided to go that route. And I'm really grateful that I did, um, you know, and, and so, um, that worked out really well for me, and uh, then we uh, ended up, um, you know, moving. I, I was from San Diego, um, so we went to dental school in Virginia, and uh, which is, you know, a bit of a lifestyle change. But truly, went into falling in love with the area and the people, and I got really lucky to, to find a, a, a great uh, atmosphere and location in kind of a more rural area. Um, but, uh, but great people, um, and was able to really grow and build, you know, into a, I think, I think a very sizable practice, um, springboarding off an existing, uh, dentist, um, that I ended up going in as a partner. Then he retired. I pulled on another partner, um, and then, uh, ended up, uh, several years later hooking up with another classmate to open another practice. Uh, so now I've got, you know, these, these, these two practices, um, and, and out here, there's a lot of outdoor stuff, you know, so I've really gotten into, uh, fishing, mountain biking, um, you know, certainly maintaining a, a active lifestyle. You know, there's a lot to do out here in Virginia. We're by the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, so I've just really had a good time with my kids and sports and, you know, coaching soccer and those types of things. So just really trying to make the most of, of each and every day and the environment that's, you know, San Diego guy that's in a, you know, smaller town, Virginia, um, was able to, to do that. We're building a home now on 20 acres and, you know, with, with a pond and a gorgeous view and mountain bike tracks we put in and Frisbee golf course, uh, um, a course that we've, that we're uh, putting in, you know, just like I said, just making, making the most of, of our environment and, and all the, uh, the, the surrounding features and, and areas. So I imagine, I mean, you know, from talking with you, growing up in San Diego, you probably didn't picture your place, picture yourself in a, in a, small rural town anywhere, um, let alone yeah. the other side of the country. But, uh, you know, what's that been like? I mean, small town dentistry, you know, in some ways you're kind of like a, you're almost like a, you know, leader or role model in the town, right? It's like got this dentist, successful, comes to our town, uh, patients, yeah. patients really love you, you know, are thankful. Um, what, what's that been like for you and, you know, your family to, somewhere like that yeah yeah well you know i mean first of all i didn't mention this earlier you know but i got five children right now they're ages uh, 16 down to six basically um and you know being able to to provide this atmosphere this this lifestyle it's 
a little bit more laid back here, which I don't mind at all. You know, it's a fast-paced dental office. You know, and you mentioned like in our in our little town, certainly the dentist that I um, uh, ended up joining and then buying into, um, he was already very well known. You know, he had a you know very decent sized practice for the area. Uh, people knew him. Um, and I, I came on board, and you know, I, I had a fair amount of marketing background, and um, had a good time actually visiting. Um, all the schools, like that was one of the first things I did. I went to all the local elementary schools dressed up as Molar Man. I found a costume on Amazon. My wife made a big like M, you know, Molar Man with a cape. Um, and I went to all the elementary schools during Dental Health Month um, and put on assemblies and that kind of thing. It was actually pretty easy um, to, to do and they were more than happy to, to have us. Um, and then we transitioned into, uh, in this small town, there's a Christmas parade. Bedford's known as like the Christmas town, so to speak. So they have this Christmas parade. And I remember seeing it, and I was like, man, I, I would love to do that next year. And I, I want to win the whole thing. So I had a meeting at my house with uh, with our staff, and we talked about ideas. And we ended up coming up with the idea of the floats, because they, they do floats through it, of uh, the Molar Express. You know, not the Polar Express, but the mm-hmm. Molar Express. And we built this, like, giant I – mean, I mean, it was pretty epic with a smokestack that I used a uh, one of those um, fog machines, you know, it's like live smoke and stuff like that, and music. And um, we got all our staff involved. and. I mean, that's still a big deal, you know, like people look forward to it each year. Um, we, we skipped the last year because of, of COVID, but, um, you know, it was it, it was just uh, uh, just nice to, like you kind of what you said, being in a smaller town, but but being fairly, fairly known, you know, like even like just some of the advertisements that we've done in the paper and that kind of thing, you know, like everyone kind of knows there's this one real estate agent that everyone knows. I think a lot of people know our practice. You know, we've really created a brand or a logo. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been, it's, it's been nice to be able to really be a part of the community, get involved, donate, help, you know, do, you know, do different things, banners for high schools, sponsorships, footballs, the t-shirt cannon we sponsored, you know, like all these things to, to kind of keep ourselves in the, in the middle and not just do dentistry, but do things in the community that, that help make a difference. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, don't you think too, like when you do those kind of things, as as cheesy or corny as maybe like people remember mm-hmm. that for years to come. You know, oh, yeah. We've had a couple of things where it's like we went on the news at Halloween time, did some things, and mm-hmm. you know it's like a couple of those videos are four, five, six years old, but patients just sort of sure. hey, I, I heard I heard you on the news, you know, and I imagine for you people come up and sort of hey, I love when you oh, guys sure. did that, you did that parade, and I mean it's like that kind of marketing all the time. People people remember yeah. it's a lot more meaningful than like. You know, just making the next best postcard, which has its place, but then you can just can kind of look like anybody else. Whereas when you do something like that, it's not such plain vanilla. Is that, has that been your experience? Yeah, exactly. Anything like that, people still remember. Um, you know, I don't think it really matters if you're in a small town or a big town. You know, you do those those kinds of things. It really sticks in people's minds because I think people want to see you as more than just a dentist. So when you do something out of the ordinary you know, like dress up as a tooth or do a float or do the candy buyback program for the troops, you know, something like, like that. Or I even participated in that dance. Um, uh, what was his name? That one doc that, you know, did the viral video for the, um, for that uh, Facebook dance thing. Um, and uh, I, you know, that ended up going, like at least in our small town, um, across all the social media platforms, I didn't get a mass, like a quarter million views. Um, of my little dance, you know, and that like, I still have people, oh yeah, you're the dancing doctor, you know, and I had little kids, well, not little anymore, that remember me from like seven years ago, and like, oh, you're Molar, I remember you, 
you know, like those little things like make a big difference in people's minds when they get to see you as something more than just a dentist. And, and I mean, Rudy's a talented guy. I mean, he's like uh, full of energy, you know, he's, uh, I think you were a class president at least one or two years, right, in dental school. Yeah, um, yeah, it was those last three years. Yeah, just just a, just kind of guy that you know people like to be around. I'm always curious of the story. He, uh, I actually seen him uh, rewrite the lyrics to a Green Day song and play it in in the school assembly, all dental lyrics related. And it was, I mean, it was incredible. You know, it's like even the faculty members were a little uptight. Like they couldn't help but smile. Really people, people just people just people just love that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. No, really. No, you're. I'm, I'm still waiting for. I'm still waiting for your uh, for your album to come out. You know, I'll be the first one to buy. Let me know. That's right. <laughs> so, so what's that like? I mean, you were, uh, if I understand correctly, I think you said you got to like number two in the nation uh, in in mm-hmm. ratings in your practice through Google views or something. Tell us a little bit about your your kind of motivation behind that or how that how that came about. Yeah. I gosh, it started, I, I mean, almost, I would say a decade ago when, you know, reviews were online reviews were becoming much more of a thing than like yellow pages or, you know, I mean, word of mouth is still obviously extremely important, but I got on the, uh, on, I really focused on Google reviews. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Yelp, you know, I, I don't need to go into that. Um, but I feel like the most, um, uh, authentic reviews oftentimes come from Google reviews. Uh, so that was something I started early on and um, really talked to my staff, got them all on board, you know, um, with the importance of just doing those little extra things that will encourage patients um, to want to write a positive review. Um, and yeah, as of like last summer, um, there's a company called Boolean and they kind of, you know, scour the nation for the top number of reviews and uh, Bill Dorfman uh, at the time, you know, that celebrity dentist had a little over 1,800, I, I think, and we were at like 1,600, you know, so that put us at number two. Um, wow. And as of, I don't know, probably three or four weeks ago, we have now surpassed uh, Dr. Bill Dorfman in the total number of, uh, you know, Google reviews uh, by patients. It's a 4.9 uh, star rating. Um, so, yeah, technically we, we just moved up into, into number one. Um, which is kind of cool. I mean, because if you saw our setting, like we're in Bedford, Virginia, who's heard of Bedford, Virginia? Um, you know, it's, it's a very small area, but, you know, we've really, I, I feel like we do those little touches, those little tiny things, um, and they stand out, you know, and patients are just like, wow, like that was a really good experience. I wasn't expecting to have a good experience at the dental office. And, you know, you see that that phrase like, wow, I actually enjoyed my visit or I was surprised at how relaxing it was or how personable the doctors were, the hygienists or the assistants from, and people will say from the front desk to the back, you know, like it was the whole time everyone was so pleasant, even my phone call, you know, um, just those, those little details make a big difference. And, and it was, it was, I'm grateful that we focused a lot of our attention there, um, you know, with, with obtaining reviews because that's been a huge source of new patients uh, has been through uh, Google reviews. Well, I imagine too, I mean, don't you think like stuff like that kind of catches fire with your team where it's like, you know, it, it's not that much more work to get like 10 Google reviews a day till it is, than it is like one, you know, so the first one's kind of right. the hardest one where it's like you just warm them up, yep. break the ice, it's kind of like the first patient you see, first crown after a long weekend, maybe takes a little longer and then you just kind of like, get in the rhythm and uh and, and you just fire those off and, and we had a 
we we were on a podcast with um this uh, this guy in a marketing group I'm in named Ron Sheets and he does he's not a dentist but he helps dental practices with marketing and he talks a lot about um, stories and testimonials and he does a lot of videos and and you know one of his main points is uh, you know a, a basic review is okay but like a story and and, mm-hmm. and a change is so much uh, bigger and I imagine that's a big part of your reviews because you know we we've all had them where it's like someone leaves your review and it's like they were really nice they got me in and they took my insurance versus like you know the one where it's like I hated the dentist didn't go for 10 years I came in and saw Dr. Wolf yeah. it changed my life I, I love you guys I'll be coming every six months now I'm confident smiling yeah two totally different things um so what's what's uh you know what's worked for your team I mean how do you how do you get your team excited to do something like you know hey we're gonna get this many Google reviews yeah, um, I, I think, well, it, it was, I, I would say it mostly happened organically. We didn't necessarily have to, like, you know, do any major incentives or anything. It was just that culture of, like, you know, just encouraging our staff to try to be really positive with patients. Um, and I know at first when we were trying to build things, I think they used a phrase of something like, you know, hey, how as they were checking out, hey, how was your experience? You know, and the patient's like, oh, it was great. You know, hey, you know, if, if, if you wouldn't mind, one of our greatest compliments are reviews. That would be fantastic if you wouldn't mind leaving a, a review for us. You know, so that kind of in- interaction, I think, really helped fuel it. Because when you ask someone, you know, to commit oftentimes and they say yes, you know, then they're more inclined to actually follow through. We eventually, maybe a couple years ago, three years ago, uh, switch to more of an automated thing where they get like, you know, just a nice, hey, you know, how, how was your, your visit? You know, would you mind leaving us a review basically? And that's really helped, you know, take some of the pressure off the, the, the staff in that regard and just keep that momentum going. You know, and you, you touched on something important too is, you know, I, I think that patients or prospective new patients do look at those, those over-the-top reviews, the ones that aren't just one-liners. Right. And so, you know, there's one I've, I've uh, gosh, I've, I've heard several comments about um, probably a couple months ago uh, of a uh, patient that basically, you know, went on and on about how good the experience was. And it was, you know, um, and she talked about how much fear she had before and now how she was treated by her office. And she said, you know, you, you've got to try uh, this office and, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Owen or Dr. Wolf. And then she said something like, and if you don't like your visit, Here's my personal information. I will buy you a milkshake. That is what her her review said. um, And, and, you know, when people leave stuff like that, that kind of leaves an impression on those that are that are reading it. Um, But also touching on that um, is the opposite. So what do people typically do when they end up getting uh, searching for a dentist? Right. So they'll type in your practice or, you know, dentist near me or whatever. And then they look and, and they see. Okay, well, let's check out. Oh, wow, that's a lot of reviews. So they click on it, right? They'll probably scroll through the first few. They might even click most recent. And then what's the next thing that people will click on almost every time? Lowest rating, right? They want to see why did this office get a star or two stars? And then they read it. I don't mind. Like, I don't, I don't fear or, like, you know, get queasy if I see a one star. And we've gotten them occasionally. But it's an opportunity for two things. One is I personally, or my office manager, or my, my uh, business partner and Dennis, um, we will reach out to that individual, like see if we can really find out like, what fueled that what was. And oftentimes we can we can fix it right on the phone. It's either misunderstanding or you know m- maybe they were used to a certain hygienist. 
you know, and that one was gone. So they signed someone else and they didn't like their style and they weren't warned ahead of time or something like that, you know, and, and so it was a simple conversation. And um, oftentimes they'll just, you know, fix the review themselves. But in those times when they don't, I don't like, it's kind of your opportunity to showcase your professionalism. Um, and you touch on this was an issue, right? So you've got to be careful about getting into details about these patients. And so you can, not that you're going to be super generic, but you can um, let the audience, because I always write it as though I know someone else is, is reading this response. And so, you know, you, it's an opportunity to maintain professionalism, respond in, in, a, in a very, you know, in, in a nice way. You know, I know there's been some, you know, bit, uh, uh, viral responses of these guys that like, you know, go off on the customer, you know, and, and maybe good for them. That might work in that regard, but especially in a smaller town, you know, just be very professional back and maybe try to explain the situation. Once again, being delicate with, with HIPAA. Um, and if, you know, in those cases, you may not say, well, when you were in our office and did this procedure, right. Um, but you could do, they, they be a little bit more like, um, you know, well, when, when patients, of our practice come in and the following scenario occurs, we like to maintain professionalism, optimism, you know, positivity with our patients, full open communication, you know, and sometimes that doesn't completely come across with, with the uh, patient or, you know, whatever, like there's ways to phrase things. So you're not getting in trouble with like HIPAA, but also be able to touch, like, I always list things in threes, you know, like at, at, you know, at our office, we strive for professionalism, uh, optimism, and keeping the patient's best interest at, at heart and such and such and such, you know. So it's an opportunity to like touch on, on things in response to that person's, you know, one star review. Because I know that that is like, and I, I can't tell you how many patients I'll ask, hey, how, how'd you hear about us, right? So that's not another thing, you know, it's good to track, know where they come from. We have a service that has phone numbers. Uh, specific to each advertisement so we can review that and, you know, check with the ROI and see how, how it's working. Um, but I, so I always ask patients, you know, this is your first time here. Welcome. How'd you hear about us? And like, it's either, oh, my friend, you know, or your Google reviews. I was so impressed at how many you had. So I clicked on it and every time, and I even checked out your negative ones. And I really liked how you responded to your patients. It was, it was nice, you know, like, People, especially in today's day where how people get all lit up about, you know, this and that, and they get all frustrated and mad and they just go off on tangents. It's nice to have just a refreshing, like, hey, Miss Jones, I'm so sorry that that was your, you know, your experience. At our practice, we strive for the following, da-da-da-da-da, you know. Um, clearly, there are, are areas in which that did not fully occur. And perhaps if it's a, just a misunderstanding. You know, it's a nice way to lay that out. And I even had a patient, a couple of them say, yeah, and I know, like, you know, this one lady and she just went off on you, but you could tell she's just one of those like cat ladies, you know, like, so, so they disregarded it. And they're like, so we look back at your, you know, you know, 1,700 something other perfect five-star reviews. And we can see that that was obviously an exception or that patient was impossible to please. So it's kind of a good rounded way of, being able to express yourself. So when you get a one-star review, I seize it as an opportunity, you know, either make it right if we did make a mistake or if they're kind of a crazy cat lady, you know, it's an opportunity to be able to lay out some of your principles, you know, and where things may have, the wires may have gotten crossed. And, you know, we, we'd, we'd love to see you again or what, whatever, you know, to, uh, to, 
to, to have a second chance for an impression or something like that, you know, so. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, I was thinking about that um, because, you know, some, some, some experts will say, like, it's actually good to have a couple lower star yeah. reviews sprinkled in there yeah. because it, otherwise it looks fabricated. You know, you, you go on Amazon Ooh, to, buy, to buy some electronic thing and it's like 50 uh, five-star reviews and you can't even read it because, like, the, the English grammar is so bad. You're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure oh, these right. are all... All, all uh, bought here. Up. You see our yeah. Amazon products all the time. Perfect 5.0 stars, and, you know, and they're and if you read the reviews, nine times out of ten, they say almost the same thing. You know, very good product. I like lots, right? And then yeah. the next one, great product. I I enjoy. It. You know, and like you know, it's all fabricated. So you're exactly right. Actually, people don't believe it's, it's less believable if you have a perfect, you know, five star rating. And and it's not to say that you should purposefully get lower stars. In, but when they come, they're not a bad thing. But I think for me, one of the most important things is is getting your team in sync, making sure they see your vision, um, that they are a five-star practice. You can't, like, have these, you know, advertisements and, and like, and, and just think that, hey, I'm asking for reviews, and so I'm just going to get them, and, and I'm going to get a 1,000 five-star reviews. I mean, you've got to be a five-star office. And, and I think almost more importantly – have your staff know that they're five-star staff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. right? To how you treat them, give them autonomy, give, you know, give them accountability, let them do their job and they will make it worth your while like tenfold. Right. So that's, that's been another big part of our practice, you know, is encouraging uh, improvement and, and rewarding it too, you know, so it's, it's been a good, it's been a good journey, you know, to be able to, to really up our game and, and rise in the uh, rankings to find herself at, you know, number one or two in the entire country. Well, and, and you know, uh, just talking to you reminded me because we've been a little bit more lax with our reviews. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's a good reminder for me to, that we need to really up our game. But, uh, you know, inspiring to see someone like you who's got 1,600-plus reviews in a town of 1,599 people, you know, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive, you know. <laughs> But I think, too, I've found people read those reviews, and when the crazy cat lady leaves you a crazy review, you respond to her, and they follow the thread, and they'll be like, oh, it looks like crazy cat lady never came back to Dr. Wolf. That makes me like him even more. I'm definitely going there because I don't want to be seen. (laughs) I don't want to be part of an office for that kind of thing where she's screaming and hollering and it's messing up my appointment yeah. and I'm waiting for the doctor. Sure. Almost like a weeding factor it. too, you know, would you, have you found that? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And you know, the other thing that I was going to say is that um, the interesting thing about Google reviews is the patient can say their thing, you know, write their review and then you respond. They don't get to respond to your response, right? So they can't go back and, you know, and like respond to your response. They can try to change your initial review, but I've never seen that happen. I've never seen someone go back and like try to rework. Well, he got back to me on this and blah, blah, blah. Like if anything, it'll take like they'll either remove their review or they bump it or they change it to five stars, you know, like if when it's, yeah. it's warranted. And I have many of those change. And I, I even had one, um, I think it was just a misunderstanding with her insurance. She was told by her insurance that she had coverage, right? 
And so she comes in and I forget what procedure it was or whatever, but, but there was like a waiting period. She didn't know that. Right. Um, so she proceeded and, you know, she was really frustrated um, at the end. I thought it was all our fault, you know, but we had a great conversation with her. I called her back, talked to her on the phone and she had written a one star review and you know, kind of went off about how, you know, we told him one thing and the charge him another or whatever. Meanwhile, the whole time we told her from the get go, look, we have verified your insurance, but if you'd like to move forward, we can, but we, you know, we can't promise that. She said, yeah, you did say that, but you know, I thought that, you know, it would be covered. And, uh, she ended up changing her review and it said previously I gave them one star, but the owner called me and we had a lengthy discussion. I was able to get in touch with their insurance coordinator, whatever, you know, and they have, they have done everything in their power to try to make this right. Even though it wasn't even their fault. And they got on the phone with my insurance, you know, there was like this complete change and turnaround. And so it's those kind of things that are, I think, really cool, rewarding, but they also say a lot about your practice and there's people are scrolling through and they're looking at stuff. And I've even had some patients on purpose leave one-star reviews, but then they're just amazing reviews. And they, they, they say, I'm, I'm leaving a one-star review because I know if I leave a five-star, it's going to get buried in their, you know, 15, 1,600, 1,700, five stars that no one's going to get to read this. But people, and they'll say, I know people are going to want to read this because it's one star. So let me tell you how awesome this practice is. Wow. You know, for my, I've been coming here for 20 years and blah, whatever, you know. So we've had that happen several times as, as well, which is, I, I don't mind that either. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And I mean, you know, it seems like, you know, in my experience and maybe yours is like, Ninety nine and a half percent of the complaints are usually something billing, finance, insurance related. Oh, and yeah. and it's just like talking to her and, and you know, just like you said and people listening to this is, you know, oh keep good records of conversations you have with patients. We like to get ours in writing before we start treatment, just a one page treatment plan. We can yeah. use all the dental software yeah. stuff because it's it confused members are confused what those codes mean. So patients are gonna be three times as confused. Just to have that to go, hey, remember this? And they go, oh, yeah. And so yep. then everybody yep. can save face and, and, and yep. shake hands and be friends. Yeah, that's actually right. We'll print out estimates, have them sign it, and then we scan it. We, we're moving to fully digital, so a lot of it now is like a digital signature. So we can show that's mm -hmm. happened. Like, do you remember this conversation we showed? them? like, oh, you did tell me that. And it's even circled, you know, and highlighted, you know, that this is going to be your portion. You know, um, so, you know, you're exactly right. That, that that does help. And people, like you said, it kind of diffuses the situation. So, you know, um, a, a lot of reason we do this podcast is we want to help all our, our peeps out in dentistry. And you're somebody who certainly helps a lot of, of practice owners. But, you know, we help a lot with um, helping practice owners understand, hey, how not to be dependent on insurance and uh, and boost their, their membership plans or their in-house savings plans. Hmm. Right. Yes. No, uh, you, yeah, you know, you brought up in-house membership plans. Yes. We started ours probably about two and a half years ago. We have almost a thousand subscribers to it. Now we are still mostly insurance driven. We're like 65% insurance. We, uh, we're down to just three insurance companies. Now we, we whittled that down from six or seven, you know, just with a terrible reimbursement rates. Um, and, uh, so the membership program, our patients love it. You know, um, we we use a, a, a company to, to help us, um, and uh, that's it's called Clear. Uh, that's just really helped facilitate. Um, and yeah, I mean, have almost a thousand subscribers. 
um, you know, gives them a percent off of, uh, you know, uh, any and all dental treatment um, and, you know, a set amount monthly fee or a one-time fee for your cleanings, exams, x-rays. There's an adult program and a periodontal program, depending on your uh, diagnosis. Um, that's been awesome. And our patients are so grateful for that. We've had many cancel their personal plans that are paying out of pocket and switch over to ours because, you know, there's no maximums. And um, a lot of times ours works out to be a better deal than whatever they're paying out of pocket. So, yeah, that's, that's been fantastic. We do hope to eventually move to uh, completely fee-for-service, um, and that is in the future. I mean, I think a lot of us aren't going to have a choice, man, with how low they're going, particularly like Delta Dental, you know, and just as they're lowering their reimbursement fees. Um, you know, so, our, I mean, the write-offs are huge sometimes, 60%. You know, you can't operate off a margin like that. Um, you know, without cutting some kind of corners or, or just ma- mass producing things and, and decreasing your quality. Um, so, you know, we're, we're headed in that direction. I think it might be a, lo- a little bit because we do have a pretty good patient population that does have that, um, you know, the civil, civil workers and teachers and, and, and such. Uh, but being able to provide, and that's what we're trying to wrap our heads around and figure out a way um, to, uh, to, to provide that service for them, and, you know, as, as we shed insurances. Um, you know, but, uh, that's a conversation I think for another day, but, um, yeah, man, you know, I, I wish there was a way for all of us to band together, and, you know, some, somehow get some better reimbursement rates, you know, cause I know for us Delta hadn't upped their fees since like, I think it was 2008 or nine or something. It's been like 12 or 13 years for the same fee schedule, you know, and that's just ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, the in-house membership program are fantastic, especially as they're starting to shave off dental insurances. You have something else to offer them when you when they get that cancellation letter from you. And I like to get ahead of the insurance companies and send my patients a letter, you know, that, that we're getting out, as opposed to the first thing they see is a letter. And the way that a lot of the insurance companies will paint you is basically like, you know, you can't see this dentist anymore. I mean, more or less is what the patients hear. So we get ahead of it, you know, and send something out to them with our brochure for our in-house program. Um, and we, we uh, oftentimes will follow up with a phone call so people understand what it means. And I don't say, I, we don't say necessarily like, oh, yeah, we're out of network, okay? Um, we will say, you know, we are, we are going to uh, transition into, um, we see a, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the phrase? Hold on. It'll come to me. Oh, unrestricted provider. We will, we will transition into an unrestricted provider status. Right. Yeah, I was going to um, say, that's the same one we use, is unrestricted provider, exactly what we say. Right, right. And, I mean, it paints a good – it's accurate. It is what it is. And mm-hmm. if people ask point blank, well, are you out of network, you know, we, we're not going to be like, um, well, uh, let me beat around the bush for a minute, you know. Like, right. say, yeah, we, we're considered out of network. However, the benefit to you is this, you know, and we get to, you know, open up that, uh, that topic. And we take some training with the staff, and some are better at it than others. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, that whole insurance thing and transitioning out, like I said, that, that could be its own, you know, five-part podcast. But, what would you suggest if I'm, a, if I'm starting a practice um, versus, you know, maybe I've been practicing 10, 20 years, um, you know, should I take some insurance plans? Should I go all fee-for-service? Should I go out of network? Should I do a an in-house savings plan, you know, yeah. what would be kind of your, what would be kind of your advice, someone who's doing that? Yeah. So, um, here's the hard thing, right? Is it's like, so dentists, 
I'm just humans in general. Usually we re, we relate uh, um, productivity to busyness. We think to be productive means you need to be busy. When in reality, you can be less busy but more productive, especially if you're taking 60, 65, 70% cut off your bottom line from write-offs. You know, you can see a fraction of those patients but it's very gutsy. Like knowing what I know now and the confidence that I have now, if I had to go set up shop somewhere, I would probably directly go fee for service with a fantastic in-house plan that is advertised. I would even go to local businesses and tell them, like those that, that are insuring, like, like the business owner, like smaller businesses that are paying for their employees' uh, dental benefits, and I'd find out, like, I'd sit down with them and be like, hey, how much are you paying, you know, each, for each employer? How much is the employee paying? Well, they're paying 50 bucks a month. Okay, well, I've got a plan. It's 30 or 35 or wh- whatever, you know. And, and, and I would try to con- convert some local areas that way before I jump in to start signing up on all these, you know, dental insurance plans. But that's me now, you know, with 11 years of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, though, I would say, gosh, let me let me just get busy. Let me just. Let me just get the wheels going. Let me sign up on, you know, some of the major carriers or whatever, just to keep me busy. And then in a year or two or three, I'll start eliminating them. So I think that's the safer, more comfortable way. But I really think from a financial like business, if it was some, you know, I don't know, uh, if you have an actuarial that came and did some numbers for him, he'd probably tell you that, dude, stay at a network with everyone. Suck it up for that first year. Know it's going to be slow but you're actually going to be more productive. And by the end of that year, you'll probably find if you were to compare to that versus taking all kinds of insurance companies that you're doing just as well. It's not actually better and less work, better service, more time with the patients because you're not having to rush through it because you're getting reimbursed 650 bucks for the crown that, you know, your normal fee is 1300, you know, and that's happening all over the country. Um, so that would probably be my, you know, my advice to an, anyone that's starting up is if you're really queasy and uneasy about not terribly be, being busy, um, you may just consider signing up with you know, several of the local in, insurance companies. If you have full confidence in that kind of thing, that I would, I would probably lean towards more doing uh, fee-for-service than in-house plan and hit up all those businesses before you even start. Hey, we got a grand opening date of June 1. You know, hey, this is what we're doing. With, and all they can do is deal for your clients. Normally, it's, you know, 350 a year or 400 a year or whatever, I'll take X percent off that or whatever just for you, you know, like do something like, like that. So when your doors open, you're rolling because that's obviously, you know, your when people say they spend 5% on marketing, really, or 10%, the reality is if you if you take insurance, that's kind of a form of marketing, you know, and so oftentimes you're paying 40% of your overhead towards marketing, you know, of whatever your crazy write-offs are with all these insurance companies, because what they're doing is they're promising you that they'll get your name out there. So when your patient looks up a provider for that insurance, you pop up. That's, that's, that's a banner. That's marketing. That's, you know, getting you populated into their search feed. Boom. There's, there's your office. So insurance companies is a coupon essentially for them to do marketing for your practice and you're willing to take a huge cut so you can get that patient into your front doors. So that's, that's the downside is I think we all know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's good advice. I think, um, you know, Warren Buffett said something to the effect of he doesn't invest in companies that, um, you know, have high, uh, high technology where there's price fixation, yeah. you know, and I think, man, that's exactly yeah. what 90% of the offices are 
high technology, you know, you're always investing, buying new stuff, latest and greatest mm-hmm. patients, but there's a lot of price fixing when you do an insurance. And I completely agree with you is, you know, when you take, if your overhead's already 70, you know, between 70 and 85% average practice, and then you have to whack off, you know, 15, 30, 40%, you go, ah, that math doesn't really work out for mm-hmm. sustainability. And you'll just, you'll just right. grind yourself into the ground. So I'm with you on saying, hey, look, it, there would be, we wouldn't need as many dental practices and everybody wouldn't feel like they were competing with each other if we just said, hey, uh, we're demanding a fair reimbursement and now yeah. all of us be 30% fewer patients and make and make 30% more money because yeah. you're not, you know, giving, giving two-thirds of it away sometimes. It's crazy. Right. Right. I know, man. It is crazy. So, 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 you, so you look having a uh, you use Clear, right? That's K L E E R. Correct. Yeah, cool. Clear. We had, funny thing about Clear, like four or five years ago, uh, we were flipping through Dental Town, and all of a sudden it said, Pinecrest Dental, rated number two, stage uh, by Clear's best. And I was like, mm-hmm. and so we got this plaque in the mail. But uh, I'd actually never been a customer or used them, and mm-hmm. they must have found something about how we were doing membership plans. But I think they were still. Kind of new, but Clear sounds like a great service, and, uh, and they handle all the billing and all the automation for you, is that right? Yes, correct. They do take a small yeah. cut off that, just the membership fee, not the dental yep. work that you do, you know, not that part. But, yeah, they take a small cut. Right. Um, we've looked at the, at the numbers. I feel it's been totally worth it. Um, and we've had a lot more patients say yes to treatment, you know, like you will – and a lot of times bigger cases or, you know, uh, multiple extractions, uh, veneers, like cosmetics, like you get 20% off all that stuff. And mm-hmm. people are much more likely to say yes. They know they're paying for it. I mean, it's like, you know, like a Costco card, you know, you're paying for it. You're going to go in and you're going to buy more stuff because, you know, you're getting a better deal than, than you know, than a lot of other places. So, yeah, it really helps people say yes, you know, to, to a lot more uh, of, of, of your treatment. So, and it does keep you productive and busy. And if you're only writing off whatever you're, uh, they recommend anywhere from like 15 to 20 percent for the membership discount, you know. So, I mean, if you're taking off 15 or 20 percent, you know, I mean, that's at least compared to most insurance companies nowadays, that's a huge improvement. You know, I, I probably say our average write off with insurance is close to 40 percent, it's unreal right now, you know, because right. we're increasing our fees actually with inflation, you know, uh, staff, overhead, all that stuff. So you got to go up, and when you know all these other insurance companies are not raising their fees or in some cases decreasing their fees. Yeah. I mean, we have some that we, I looked at a bridge from, was it Anthem? And it was something like 4,200, something like, like that. And our reimbursement, including the pay, it was like 1800 bucks. It was something yeah. obscene. And, you know, and, like and you're going to wait to get 50% of that. So really, you're like, well, I've already run six payrolls by the time I'm paying on. We uh, get it. I know. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy. Well, so, yeah, not not only the discount, but the discount plus the carrying costs, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot too. You know, yeah. we found is like training about talk because if someone comes in, I mean, check it, and it's so it's so insurance driven. It drives me nuts. Where it's like, oh, well, the insurance pays for this. Your insurance is but even the doctor, and I'm like, but you didn't even offer me. Mm-hmm. benefits are you live with insurance and like that we all be 
Eight, we're not doing $100,000 heart transplants, you know, for the, the hospital does. And I think for a hospital, they do like three of those a day. They make a profit. Everything else is gravy. And in the dental office, like that are $100 ranges, less, you know, some plenty of things in the thousands too, but we're not in six-figure surgeries. And uh, and so all those little right. cuts added up will just, will just wreck your, wreck your bottom mm. line. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So now you're working harder. Not smarter. <laughs> Running yeah. around trying to do all your hygiene checks, you know, it's just it just gets to be overwhelming, you know. So yeah, it, yeah. It's, it'll be nice. To be, I mean, I feel like in in a sense, you know, our our profession is beginning to be taken away by these insurance companies. And the issue, well, I don't want to get into other things because there's other things that are that are um, kind of merging in and into dental. But I I think that yeah, insurance companies, man, it's just you know where you 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 got to be pumping it out to be able to like at least make something happen of it, you know, turn chairs over faster, you know, all those kind of things back again. And I think a lot, a lot of ways to do that start to slowly transition out of, you know, the uh, dental insurance companies and, and start doing more uh, in, in-house programs for those, for those without dental insurance. You know, I know, I, I know you're a busy guy and, you know, for those listening, I mean, tons of nuggets here. Uh, you're, you're on Eastern time. So you're later than me. We know you got a family and, and other responsibilities. So, um, just, just a couple final questions. Um, you know, you talked about kind of, uh, kind of future, future of I mean, do you think like, I mean, patients, patients are more informed than ever. Uh, I mean, how do, how do practice owners get patients to come see them for reasons other than insurance, right? Because the insurance model as it is, is, is probably broken. If not, it will be at some point. Um, so you know how do you, how do we? I'm I'm of the mindset that you know we really don't compete with each other as dental practices. We're really competing with people's discretionary yeah. income, like a new car, and vacation, and buying braces for Billy, and him getting a new bike, and all the other stuff, all the other bills that creep up on us. So what what uh you know any other advice you have on you know listeners on hey here's how you can build value so your patients will come see you and maybe join membership plan so they'll see you for who you are and and what you have to offer your patients rather than just oh you take my insurance i guess i'm going here you know that's a that that's a good question um i would say like we for like we'll find areas of focus and um one of the biggest value um increase increases for us um was when we delved into conscious sedation dentistry in a smaller town that had never seen it before and when that was introduced, the uh, the newspaper asked to do an interview, came to our office, and they, had, they put us on the front page, something wow. like, uh, uh, you know, uh, sedation dentist comes to Bedford, you know, front page. And it went into, hey, if you have anxiety and fears, because there's so many people that were neglecting their teeth out here. So that was a huge, like, boon to the practice to really, like, infuse it. And those patients oftentimes don't have insurance. Right, so they're they're cash paying patients, um, those that have a lot of fear. Um, then, uh, then let's see. Then uh, I started transitioning into my business partner, Wisdom Teeth. Right, so uh, and once see now this is unique because we're in a smaller town. They'd have to drive like thirty to forty minutes to another you know place to to have their Wisdom Teeth done. So if they could do it there, like that was huge. And then my business partner, like he he got out of a, a, a surgical residency out of Seattle started placing implants, you know, so then like that was an area of focus. So being able to like provide 
something that's more convenient for the patient, I think is very important. Providing something for those that are anxious, that's very important. It doesn't have to be sleep dentistry. It can even be minimal sedation um, versus moderate, depending on what your state rules and regulations are. Um, you can also, you know, nitrous is still a thing, you know, like that's, that's a nice thing to kind of emphasize. Um, certainly when I first started practicing, we really emphasized children, you know, family dentistry. So, so parents didn't have to drive their kids to a pediatric dentist, you know, they could see us, you know, so, so finding little hot buttons where people can get over those hurdles, like you find what are the things that are preventing people from wanting to come cost, you know, uh, convenience and fear. And so if you can, you know, help alleviate at least one or two of those, I think you're going to see a lot more people coming in and it's, and, and particularly those without insurance. And you're saying like build value. I think a lot of times for me, like my staff knows when it's like a new patient consultation and they're coming to see me for, um, you know, whether it's sedation dentistry or it's been years since they've seen a dentist, like they know not to slam my schedule next to it. And so I can sit down with that patient and build value. You talk about build value. And I'll ask them, like, you know, how important is your smile to you? You know, so I, I do, like, kind of what you're saying, Tyler, like, people, you're competing with their discretionary income. I might even start with something like, you know, how important is your air conditioning, if it's summertime, air conditioning or your heat are so important. You know, so if something happened, would you find a way to, you know, to, to, to pay for whatever, you know, to, for the repair? Oh, of course, you know, your car, how important is that? Okay, right. How important do you see your smile? Right. Like if, and, and I've used this example a few times and I get a chuckle out of patients, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, so often people will say, oh, it's for, oh, just, just pull it, just pull it. I said, you know, if, if you had an ingrown toenail and it was bothering you, you know, would you go to the doctor and say, you know, just pull it. I, I'll have nine more, you know, just, just pull it. I don't, I don't want to try to fix it. Just pull it. You know, well, why not? You know, people don't even see your feet half the time. Right. But they see your smile. You know, I might even show them that maybe you've seen that meme of the other guy that's smiling. He's missing a tooth. And it's like, what's missing? It was like, oh, his tooth. And then you're like, did you notice his right eyebrow is gone? No. Oh, my. Oh. And then they're like, oh, my gosh. So building value from that standpoint and understanding them. No, not all. I have patients. This is a more rural area. They don't care. You know, their dad, 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 like all of them never had teeth. You know, by the time they were 30, they were gone. So they don't put much value. I just give me some dentures, you know. And, and, and sometimes, you know, that may be what works for them. But so oftentimes when you start to build that, that like, well, do you like to smile? Do you like to chew? Do you like to talk? Do you play an instrument? You know, if they play like the trumpet, trombone, or, you know, flute or something like that, missing teeth could be an issue. You know, so, so just finding those hot buttons and having the time, and this is the thing right there, is time to sit down and talk to them. Or you can, may have a very efficient team that is educated and has heard you presented enough times or you've created a video or a sequence, like I've got a training module for my staff um, on how to help in the delivery and some of those messages. So when I come in, they're already primed and ready for me, you know, and then I can kind of hit a couple of those buttons um, and just kind of seal the deal essentially and creating a, a sense of value of how teeth aren't just, you know, just for a, a quick little smile. They do so much more. You know, you know, I, I'm sure you hear people that I oh, just pull them all. I'm like, do, do you do you know what that means? Let's you know, and then I talk about the lower denture and, you know, how that's not a great option for a lot of patients. And, you know, and oh, and how they cover your you like how food tastes. You want a denture to cover your whole palate, your, you know, your lower uh, ridge, like your food's not going to taste, you know, all these things people don't think about. I have people be like, no one's ever put it like that before. Maybe I do want to keep some of these, or maybe I do want to do some kind of implant supported denture, you know? So 
I know that's a long answer because there's a lot more to that. But yeah, that's kind of how I, I try and build value. Those are all neat nuggets, you know, for those listening. And I think, um, you know, you know, more or less, a lot of it is you you know your demographic, you know what your patients want, not necessarily just what you want. I mean, what better what better endorsement could you get than front page of your local paper saying, "Here's the sedation dentist in our town." Like, and you can you can you can pay ten thousand dollars to somebody to get that good of marketing, and and you just got it by providing a service that wasn't yep. available in your area that people want, which is not necessarily yep. going to the dentist, but people want to be comfortable to get what they know they need to have done. Right. And even if you're in a highly populated area, there's got to be a couple of things that not many people are providing, like maybe sleep apnea, you know, or some kind of, um, I don't know, like, uh, uh, what else? Or grinding, you know, like, uh, or, or uh, sorry, TMJ, like TMJ treatment, you know, like there, there are things that you can help create, you know, a, a niche for yourself, so to speak, at least to start getting that, that word of mouth rolling and, you know, to, to kind of have something that people talk about and people are like, Oh yeah. So how did he do for, it was great. Well, I don't have TMJ issues, but does he do other things? Yeah, mm-hmm. of course he does. Oh, well I should because you had a great experience with the TMJ. I'm sure I'll have a great experience with my crown or my bridge that needs to be replaced or whatever else. So just a way to get your foot in the door in your community. There's gotta be something that you could, you could focus on, you know, that's a, an area. Well, I'm amazed at how many practices don't use their intro of cameras. I think, like, from a trust oh, standpoint, yeah, uh, I'm like, you know, we have people coming to us for second opinions, and they're like, yep. no, one, no one told me about this. And, and we all know that the other offices probably told them something along the same lines, but seeing something, you know, we remember 100% how we feel and, like, you know, 20% of what we see and like 5% of what we hear. So I'm like, just, just going from audio to visual is like four times the impact on your patient. And then, and then the way you make them feel just by talking with them and seeing what their values are, you know, and, and a lot of practice, I think lose patients when they try to just like squeeze them for those big cases. When you go, Hey, you know, like we give them kind of the option. Hey, are you thinking about doing this now? Or are you kicking this down the road? If it's a big case. And, and I think, yeah. just try to go for the go for the big the bit the home run and it's like you know maybe maybe she didn't even know she had anything wrong and now you told her she needs 28 crowns of course she's going to be right. even if she needs sure. and and yeah. and that's a that's like the fastest way to lose a patient and if they're asking for it that's a different thing but if they're like right uh yeah i'm just here for a checkup nothing's bothering me and you're like oh well you need twenty thousand dollars they're gonna be yeah. mm, sound like you're, right. you're buying a new car you know yeah, yeah, but like you said, internal camera, right? Explaining it to them, or if you know, if they came from a dentist that they know and trust, we've been seeing for years, and the guy retired or something. Last thing you want to do is be like, "Well, did he tell you about this? And did he show you this?" Because you right. have seven cavities and these old, you know. And they're like, "But I love Doctor So and So. He's been my dentist for twenty years." You know, so never throw anyone under the bus. It's not good for our profession, you know. Um, so starting small. Hey, I noticed a couple of these things. And you show them on the x-ray or the intro picture, you know, and be like, hey, like, so let's start here. Let's let's see how this does. And you do a nice job, you know. And then the next time they come, you can kind of introduce those next things. You know, obviously, if there's giant holes, in, you know, in their teeth and underneath their crowns, you may have to act a little bit more swiftly. But, you know, kind of easing that, that in and building that relationship with trust is absolutely key, for sure. Yeah, we, we have 
we didn't come up with this, but we kind of adapted it from uh, from something we got. But it was like, hey, you know, if Dr. So-and-so were still practicing, he or she would be just as concerned about what you have going on. Yeah. Exactly oh, that's a said. great way to put it's it. It's easy to throw each other in the bus. And, and then patients, patients lose trust in the profession. It's like, I don't know. No you know profession you we, got we were it. in the same mm-hmm. class of 100. We, we're in the class of 100 students, yeah. and I'm like, there's maybe one or two in our whole class where I'm like, ah, I don't know about him or her. But for the most part, <laughs> right. most people True. have the right yeah. intentions. And, and, and right. we all have a different approach, and I think we have to build that confidence. So, but, um, but hey, Rudy, you know what? This has been uh, really great. I mean, people people listening to this, uh, there are probably at least 10 or 15 things you could write down and go implement in your practice mm-hmm. this week and, and see a notable difference. So, um. Any any final thoughts, or if, if someone wanted to ask you a question, yeah. or maybe see an example of what you did, where would someone go to learn more about you? Um, you know, I think probably just direct communication. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind phone calls or emails. Um, and I've been thinking of putting together, like I think I told you earlier about the, I put together a guide, like a guidebook for my staff that helps with training, get them on the same page, the culture and the environment that's been developed, um, along with modules. Uh, six different modules for those um, for, for the guidebook. It's called the Good Vibes Guide. Um, cool. You know, I don't I don't mind you know speaking to individuals or communicating via email. So you know, so you're welcome to get my email out. It's just rudywolf at gmail.com. R-U-D-Y-W-O-L-F at gmail.com. You could provide that, and I'm happy to converse with with people and do whatever I can. So cool. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So uh, Rudy, thanks again. Um, uh, to this podcast right now, uh, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think, good or bad. I mean, this podcast is all about reviews, so we love to hear your reviews on iTunes. <laughs> and um, thanks again, and we'll we'll uh, talk to you on the next episode. For more tools and tips on how to create an X Factor membership practice, visit yourpracticegrowth.com and subscribe to our free weekly email today.